May we turn please to the Epistle to the Romans, chapter 11. Since I'm going to speak about quite a bit of this, it's difficult to select just one text. I almost feel like taking the 33rd verse, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. But uh, I think when the Apostle says in verse, verse 13, For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the Apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify mine office. We are Gentiles. Paul says, I'm the apostle to the Gentiles. And I'm magnifying my office. And Romans 9, 10, and 11 deal with the Jews, with Israel. And if you'll turn to the ninth chapter, notice verse 1, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Paul was a Jew, and he's speaking about his kinsmen according to the flesh, the Jews. Who are Israelites, he says, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises whose are the fathers, and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came. Christ was a Jew, who is overall God-blessed forever. And then after he introduces this, he goes on, and we come down to the 11th chapter, and he says that we are the wild branches, olive branches from a wild olive tree. And here is the good olive tree, the olive tree that represents Israel. And because of unbelief, these branches were cut off. And then as Gentiles, the wild branches were grafted in. And that, as those who've been grafted into that olive tree, we partake of the fatness and the marrow and we're children of Abraham, we Gentiles. We Gentiles who by faith have received Christ, we are also the sons of Abraham. And we are the spiritual descendants of Abraham. And we are joined together. And then the apostle goes on in this 11th chapter. And he speaks about the fact that they're cutting off of the Jews through unbelief made possible are in grafting. And if the natural branches were cut off through unbelief, he says, how much more shall we be cut off also through unbelief? And then he comes down to the latter part, and I want to turn, and if you will, notice verse 20. Or rather, let's go back just a little further there. Verse 24. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, that is, the Gentiles, and wert grafted contrary to nature into the good olive tree, that is, the Jewish Israelitish tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, 
lest ye should be wise in your own conceit, you Gentiles, ye Christians who have come from the Gentile roots, don't you be conceited. But you must remember that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. When he says blindness in part, he's making this distinction which runs through that passage which is that some of the Jews are in of the elect and that Paul was one of them. The Lord saved him. The Lord called him. That blindness is in part until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. Now that phrase, the fullness of the Gentiles, is a very, very important one. And... I don't think there's too much doubt as to just what it actually means. It means that what God intends to do in calling out of the Gentiles, his elect, his body, his church, until the fullness of this time in which the Jews, having rejected their Messiah, until the fullness of the time of the period in which the Gentiles have been receiving the gospel. Then he says something's going to happen to the Jews. Something's going to happen. Now before I get into these, these details, which I plan to do with you tonight, I want to call several things to your attention. The first is, who would have thought that a week ago today, this shooting started on Monday over there in the Middle East, that in one week, after 20 years, that the Israeli would be able to take care of everything west of Jordan. They've taken more territory than they had before they started. And they've taken all of the city of Jerusalem. They have Jericho. They have Bethlehem. They have Hebron. They have the tombs now of Jacob and Abraham and Sarah. They're all down there. They have moved in and taken all of that holy land. And they moved on down. Of course, they have the Gaza Strip and they have the Sinai Peninsula. And they're cleared down to the Gulf of Aqaba. And they're right on the, on the east bank here of the, of the Suez Canal. And in six days, the whole picture in the Middle East has been completely changed, and the Jews have now emerged, or rather Israel has now emerged as the most powerful nation in the Middle East, and it's taken place before anybody had time to catch their breath and know what was going on. And in the meantime, the communists had lined up behind Nasser and lined up behind Syria. And the communists had provided these 400 airplanes and all these tanks. And these things had come from Russia and were of communist origin. And all the communist world was lining up with the Arab world in the Arab world's hatred of Israel and the hatred of the Jew. And this has just all happened like that. Now, the next thing I wanted to point out to you is that you and I tonight are in a very peculiar and a very marvelous position. My, I am so happy that I believe this Bible, I don't know what to do. As a matter of fact, I am so happy that I know it is the Word of God that I don't know what to do.
I'm just thrilled with seeing these developments. And furthermore, I am so thankful that I take this book literally and that I can look at it and just ask one question, what does it really mean? I want to find out what it means and get the true meaning of it so then I'll know what God is saying and what he wants us to understand. And I think that the fact that you and I are in this position tonight is one of the greatest blessings of God to you and me. I say frankly to you, dear people, tonight as we live in this moment of church history and this moment of the centuries and the gathering end of the end time as we move in this hour, God's sovereign grace has chosen us and opened our eyes and touched our hearts and we are saved and we belong to the little remnant in these days that is waiting for the consolation of Israel. We have a peculiar treasure tonight. And you and I have been spared all around us, all about us. No longer do we believe the Bible to be the Word of God. But we do. And since you don't believe it to be the Word of God, well, who cares about anything like this? And nobody takes time to look into it then and search out the meaning of these events in the Middle East as they pertain to the Gentiles and as they pertain to the Jews or as they relate to some of these great things that are given to us in the Bible. And at the same time, this afternoon when I was preaching up there on the death of a church, I took that new confession and I just took passage after passage after passage. And furthermore, every time I go to work on this new confession, and I do talk on it quite a bit, the thing seems to be more abominable than it was the first time I picked it up. But listen to this. The church... Let me read you the one on the Bible. I picked up the one on the... Here it is right here. The scriptures given under the guidance of the Holy Spirit are nevertheless the words of men, conditioned by the language, thought forms, and literary fashions of the places and times at which they were written. Well, if that's all the scripture is, you're not interested in looking into it about the Gentiles or the Jews or anybody else. It's just the thought forms of the times in which they were written. As a matter of fact, beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ put his hand on that scripture, and I want you to turn with me because this is the thought that I'm developing connection with this. Turn to the last chapter of the Gospel according to Luke. The last chapter of the Gospel according to Luke. And here the Lord Jesus Christ is on the road to Emmaus with his disciples. He's talking to these disciples. And if you'll notice in verse 25, he says, Oh, fools! and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things? Here's the cross. Here's his rejection. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and are entered into glory? Yes, here's his resurrection. And here are all the things that pertain to his glory in the end time. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, it didn't leave out Moses, it didn't leave out Daniel, and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And then you look over just a little further, and he's the living Christ, he's the risen Christ, he's the glorified Son of Man, and he enters into his disciples' presence, and notice verse 44. These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Beloved, that's the risen Christ after his resurrection from the tomb. 
and he talks to his disciples and he says, all things in all the prophets are to be fulfilled concerning me. And all those prophets have these fulfilled prophecies now concerning his first coming. And here are all these remaining prophecies that have not yet been fulfilled, but are to be fulfilled in the end time and in his second coming. And beloved, I say to you people tonight, the same pattern of fulfillment that applied to the first coming prophecies applies to the second coming prophecies. And the same individual, real, literal Christ of whom the prophecies spoke concerning his first coming is the same literal, personal, corporal, resurrected Christ who's coming from heaven. He's sitting up there tonight at the right hand of the Father with all power and he's getting ready to come back here in a accordance with these prophecies. But right now, everywhere you look in the Christian world, we don't like these fundamentalists. They're literalists. So they're just poo-pooing literalism everywhere, and they don't have a Bible anyhow, but they're poo-pooing literalism, so you people won't go and listen to a fundamentalist take the Bible and tell you that's the Word of God, and lay before you these mighty and glorious prophecies concerning Jesus Christ. Oh, beloved, if we'd been in the first century there where these things were fulfilled, we'd said, yes, he came. And that's what Paul said. That's what John said. But we're in the 20th century, and we're waiting now for the second coming, his glorious appearing, and that time is at hand, and God wants you as a believer in his Son and as one who carries in his hand his holy word to search these things out in the Scriptures and find great comfort for your soul. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and then to have entered into his glory and beginning at Moses and all the prophets. He didn't leave a single one of them out. He expounded in them all the things concerning his, himself. And beloved, as I stand here in the midst of our world with its trouble, in the midst of the apostasy that's bearing down upon us all, and no man can stand where I stand tonight in the Christian world and see these things without a heavy heart, but I stand here and I want to learn, I want to see, I want to read into these things, I want to get into these things because I believe the day is at hand when the resurrection's going to take place. I believe the moment is very near when there will be a sound of the trumpet and our Savior who was raised from the dead on the first Easter morn, he will appear in clouds of glory and those who have believed in him from Adam and Eve down to you and me will be raptured into the skies and we'll be there with him with the redeemed of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and all the rest of the prophets and we will have on our robes of righteousness which he will have given to us by his power and by his grace. Oh, beloved, we're privileged tonight. We're privileged to have this sort of revelation in our possession and then to believe it. Then to believe it. Now, in regard to Israel, let's get into some of the particulars now. But turn, please, now to this 21st chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And in the 21st chapter of the Gospel of Luke... You have a section here in which our Jesus, our Savior, is discussing these things of which he only knew and had a right to speak. He's the only one who could speak of these things. And if you'll turn down, verse 23. Well, let's go back, if you will, please, a little further. 
verse uh, 20, And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. This is in the future. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of, in the midst of it depart out. And let not them that are in the countries enter therein too. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. All things which are written may be fulfilled. We are fundamentalists. We are literalists. We're looking at the things which are written, and we're going to see what they are that are to be fulfilled. That's what we're going to do. But woe unto them that are with child, to them that give suck in those days. For there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon the people, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into... Where? All nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. The fullness of the Gentiles are going to come in in Romans 11. Here you've got the times of the Gentiles being fulfilled. And then when you move down just for Let's read the rest of it. Verse 25. Look at that. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, for looking after those things which are coming upon the earth. For the powers of the heaven shall be shaken, and then shall they see the, see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Now, beloved, the first part of that which I read to you concerning the destruction of Jerusalem and the carrying away of the Jews into all nations, the first part of that, unquestionably, and it's been universally recognized to have been fulfilled in the uh, destruction of Jerusalem by Titus in 70 A.D. And Titus had to lay siege to the city of Jerusalem for four solid months before he was able to break open one gate and his soldiers get in. And then you have the description of what Jesus Christ said here would take place. And beloved, Jerusalem fell and the Jews and all their people were carried out to the very ends of the earth among all the nations. And from that day to this, ladies and gentlemen, Jerusalem has been under some form of Gentile power, not the power of the rule of the Jews. And this week when these Jews went in and took all of Jerusalem and they went to that wailing wall and you heard the voice of some rabbi and you heard the crying of these Jews, it meant something to you, to them, that we will never, never begin to appreciate. That they could get back again into that holy city and just tonight as Moscow is saying they're going to have to give it up, they're going to have to give it up their, their defense minister. And by the way, he's just got one eye. Their defense minister over there, one-eyed, gets up and says, they will never give up Jerusalem. They will never give it up. It looks to me like, beloved, the times of the Gentiles are getting pretty close to the end. We're just about there. We're awfully close. In fact, I want to tell you, I've had the strangest feeling this week. 
I've had a sense of tremendous liberation. I, I think the Lord might come, and I'd just as soon he would. I'm ready to go. I'd, I'd like to get out of this mess. I really would. It'd be the finest way in the world to get out of this, but just let him take us. And then Dr. Blake and his crowd and Nicodem could have the whole show. <laughs> They'd have it, too. They'd have it. They'd have it all. But, oh, beloved, when I see this coming in here, and they've taken control of Jerusalem, they've got it. And they're going to keep it. They say they're going to keep it. What's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? Well, I, I'm reading the Bible. <laughs> I'm studying this Bible. And I want to study this Bible. It's what's going to happen next? Well, let's take a step or two, if you will, as to what may happen next. Of... Uh, here at this point, it's very difficult to put things, of course, in any chronological order. You can't. You can just see that these things are going to happen in the Scriptures. But one thing is, is certain. The Jews have been preserved all these centuries as a people. They've gone back. They've gotten possession of a land. And... Uh, They've gone black in unbelief. They've gone back in their, in their darkness. And Romans, which I just read to you, will you turn to Romans back again to the 11th chapter? We're over on very solid New Testament ground at this point. And notice verse 26. Until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in, and so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. The fullness of the Gentiles will be come in, and we're just getting blindness in part has happened to Israel. They're blind, they've gone back in blindness. There are some Jews being saved. There will be some Jews being saved. We must speak to the Jews about their Messiah and seek to win them to Christ because the Bible says he will save some of them. But blindness in part hath come to Israel. So all Israel shall be saved as it is written. Here we are dealing with the written word again. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Now, beloved, that's not conditioned by the thought forms of the hour in which it was written. <laughs> that's not conditioned by that at all. Here's a clear, unmistakable prediction passing over these centuries. And who is this deliverer? He is the Messiah. He is the Messiah who's going to come. Now, will you turn, please, to Zechariah, please, over in your Bibles to the prophecies of Zechariah. And uh, you have the 13th and the 14th in these sections. But turn, please, to chapter 14 of Zechariah. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoils shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished. And half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth, 
and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. Now, beloved, I think you have a very great trial to try to mythologize the Mount of Olives at this point. I think you have a real difficulty to try to make some sort of a myth or a legend out of this. His feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. All right, beloved, I'll gather all nations together against Jerusalem. You know what's going on in the United Nations tonight? You know what's going to go on the next few months, the next few, how long it lasts? Russia's leading all her nations. Russia's lined up with the Arab nations. They've cut off all their oil to the United States. And Russia is moving now, making these demands against the Israel, Israeli and the hatred of the Arabs against the Jews is intensified tonight. And the communists are over on all that side, agitating it and inflaming it. And you just wait and see. This thing says all nations. Israel's going to be there. She's in a powerful position. And before you get through, this hatred is going to manifest itself among these nations. And this says all nations. It could even be the whole United Nations lined up against it or something else before we get through. And the Lord says, when that day comes, there'll come a deliverer. There'll come a deliverer. And his feet will stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. And then what's going to happen? All Israel will be saved. And as I see it, as I understand it, we're shaping up to that hour. The Jews have Jerusalem. They've got all that land now, all these holy places. They've got practically all of them in their hands. And if they're able to hold on to them, the Lord takes us away. And this thing shapes up as we see some of these other prophecies. The hatred of the Jew, the hatred of the Jew, the hatred of the Jew, which accumulates. And all these nations are going to aggravate it and come against it. And in that great hour, there'll be nobody to help Israel. There'll be nobody to help Israel. And in that moment, there'll be the apocalypse. There'll be the unveiling. There'll be the glorious appearing of David's greater son. And he will come. And they shall look upon him whom they have pierced. And the nations of the earth shall wail because of him. King of kings. Lord of lords. The one who has fulfilled every prophecy concerning his first coming and every prophecy concerning his second coming. They'll all be fully, literally accomplished. And Jesus Christ will come with healing in his wings. But oh, beloved, I don't have time to go into it with you tonight, but I'd like to tell you some of these things when you get into his coming in the 19th chapter of the book of Revelation. And when he comes, beloved, he's going to tread the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And those who do not believe in him, just as it is to this very moment, you must believe in this Christ to be saved. You must believe in this Christ to have your sins forgiven. This afternoon when I was up here in this country place in this old 200-year-old barn, 
the pastor took me over to his study and I looked at the books on his shelf. I like to look at these pastor's books and I see these familiar ones and some of them that we know. And then I picked down, picked up the book of Richard Baxter on the saint's everlasting rest. And I just opened it and looked at it for a few minutes. Great preacher. Great Scotch preacher. You love it? And I opened there where Richard Baxter was pleading with souls and he said that unless you put your faith in this one and in only this one, you will not have any everlasting rest. And he said that this rest comes now when you believe tonight. And if you want peace, if you want rest, if you want security, you can find it only in Jesus Christ. You'll find it tonight. Now let's turn back to some of these other passages for just a moment. I think I can show you one or two of them. But turn over to the prophecies of Jeremiah. And will you please turn in the prophecies of Jeremiah to chapter 16. And then about the 14th and the 15th verses I want you to read this. Therefore behold the days cometh saith the Lord that it shall no more be sad. The Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. My, how they said it for centuries, how they sang it in the book of the Psalms. The Lord liveth who brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. He brought them across the Red Sea. He carried them on eagles' wings. He fed them with manna and with quail. It shall no longer be said, the Lord God liveth that brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But the Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from the land whither he had driven them. And I will bring them again into their land that I gave unto their fathers. And you know, isn't it a shame? And isn't it interesting that Judaism, Reformed Judaism, liberal Judaism, in fact, there's very, very, very few Jews left. They're just a little minority here anywhere that take these things literally anymore. And in this hour when these great things are happening, their book tells them these things. In this hour when these great things are happening, they're blind. They were blind in those early days when Christ came. And they're still blind, beloved. And they take them more oh, fancifully, they're figuratively. And they are afflicted with the same unbelief that's in the Gentile church. And it's the Orthodox Hebrew tonight and the fundamentalist Protestant tonight that look at this book and they put these things together and they see something is shaping up in the final end of history as God is gathering these things together in accordance with his eternal purpose which he hath purposed in Jesus Christ. Jeremiah said it would come. Now will you turn with me please over to Isaiah, if you will. And in, well now let's take Jeremiah 30 first. Turn to the 30th chapter of Jeremiah. And in the 30th chapter of Jeremiah we read, Therefore fear thou not, O my servant Jacob, saith the Lord, neither be dismayed. O Israel, for lo, I will save thee from afar, and thy seed from the land of their captivity. And Jacob shall return, and shall be in rest, and be quiet, and none shall make him afraid. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to save thee. Though I make a full end of all nations, whither I have scattered thee, 
yet will I not make a full end of thee, but I will correct thee in measure and will not leave thee altogether unpunished. Now please turn in this connection back to Deuteronomy 28. And oh, when you get way back to the days of Moses, and Moses was telling the children of Israel what would happen to them, what would happen to them? And in verse 64 of Deuteronomy 28, may I read you this. And the Lord shall scatter thee among all peoples from one end of the earth even unto the other. And there thou shalt serve other gods, whither, which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, even wood and stone. And among these nations shalt thou find no ease, neither shall the sole of thy feet find rest. But the Lord shall give thee a trembling heart and failing of eyes and sorrow of mind. And thy life shall hang in doubt before thee, and thou shalt fear day and night, and shall have none assurance of thy life. O oh, beloved, this thing that happened this week when these Jews moved in and in lightning speed laid possession on those holy places and laid hands on the totality of Jerusalem, and they now have a nation. They are the most powerful nation in the Middle East tonight. They have the power. They are there. And they have just come up in a flash in six days overnight. They've made Nasser a little old tin soldier of some sort. That's about all that's left of Nasser in the Middle East tonight. And all this has just happened like this. And you turn back and God says, I'm going to gather you out of these nations. You're going to come. I'm going to bring you back there. And there's going to be a day when the whole nations of the world will gather against you. But Israel, Israel. There's a day when all Israel will be saved and that day will come when you see him and you look upon him whom he has pierced. And that's for the Jews that rejected their Messiah. But for you and me tonight, for those of us who are among the Gentiles tonight, for those of us who have received the grace of God, for those of us who've been grafted in the wild olive branch, grafted into the good olive tree, we can see our connections with Abraham. We can see the grace of God that's redeemed us and the great covenant promises that we have as children of Abraham. And we understand these relationships and then we understand what God is doing in preserving the Jewish people and leading them to that day when the very group that cried crucify him, crucified him and cried out those mournful words let his blood be upon us and upon our children they will again be in the city where they rejected him. They will again be in the very city on the very hills where Christ was crucified and in the midst of their despair the heavens will open and the seed of David will appear. I believe it. In fact, I'm preaching it. Don't doubt it at all. It's going to take place. Believe what the Bible says. Bethlehem was the town where he was born. And they searched it out and told Herod, Bethlehem, Bethlehem, thou Ephrathah. Oh, beloved, I want to tell you one of the greatest joys I've had in my life, and I've had many of them, was to go to the top of the Mount of Olives. And when I went in Jerusalem, I've been there two or three times, as you know. I think it's twice. I, I just wanted to climb up to that place and stand look around. I went up on the top of the Mount of Olives and I stood there. And I wondered, we all wondered, just where the final place was where his feet parted. 
from the earth and he went on right there on that little piece of real estate on this thing called the earth stood my savior and he went into the heavens and beloved he's going to rapture us into the heavens and then he's going to gather us together from one end of the heavens to another and he's going to come and unveil his glory and when this living christ this glorious magnificent redeemer comes back down and his sacred feet touch this earth of ours with its sin and with its dust it'll be on the top of the Mount of Olives I drove out the turnpike this afternoon and I was thinking about a lot of these things you know I saw the most interesting thing he got on a turnpike now, of course the only problem is I've been down it many times I need a road I haven't been down before to make it a good illustration but you ever get on a highway you've never been down before? And here's a sign. You look at that sign. It's square. Letters are blocked. They're blue on white background. Put up there by the state highway department. I said, well, I'm on their turnpikes. I guess I'm on. Gives you the name of the place on there. And you know, I've got sense enough to believe that when it says this is the name of a town, that's the name of the town. I really do. State, it's the highway department puts the name of the town. And so I look at the sign. I go passing by and I say, somebody says, where are I? Well, we just passed so and so. How do you know? I read it on the sign. I read it on the sign. I believe what the state, what the highway department put up there. And then I go on down a little further. I find another sign. It says uh, 16 miles to such and such a place. I says, well, I'm 16 miles away. Take me about 14 minutes to get there. I mean, about 20 minutes to get there. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it takes about 20 minutes to get there, and so you calculate your time on the basis of the sign you saw. You go on down the road, you'll see another sign that says so-and-so, you pass that, you get along very fine, you go on down a little further, you see another sign, you same department, same letters, same colors, some background, you say, well, it's all right, I'm in good hands, I just keep on going. And you know, you don't have any troubles, you just keep on going, you keep on going, reading the signs. The signs you see here were like the signs you saw there. But wait a minute. Here's a different sort of a sign. My, oh my, it didn't look like the ones we saw before. Okay, I have to stop and inquire. Detour. A few other things. And you make some inquiries. Beloved, you trust the signs on your highway tonight. And if you can trust the names and the signs and the mileage distances on the highways that our state highway departments put up, I can trust the prophecies of my Bible. And I don't have any trouble with them. The only problem I have is I want to make sure that I'm reading it right, that I know the exegesis and I'm able to put it out and compare Scripture with Scripture and I can find out and believe that this is the way God has it because it is there. He's told us it is there. Jesus Christ said, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the Scriptures the things concerning himself. And beloved, the things concerning Jesus Christ in all the Scriptures culminate in his glorious appearing and his coming to be the king of kings and the lord of lords and to give the reign of peace on this earth isn't it grand to be a Christian isn't it grand to believe something you're very very favored of God my friend thank God that you're not blinded Thank God you haven't been swept along with the great current of indifference and darkness of our day. Thank God you want to come into a church on Sunday night and sing and hear these choirs sing and be here instead of home listening to this riffraff of the television tonight. Thank God you're that kind of a person. 
And let's take our little children and let's take our little ones and let's teach them to pray and let's teach them the Word of God. Let's have a Christian high school and let's have a Christian college and let's have a Christian America and let's be willing to be good patriots, beloved, and get in these great issues and help all of us stand up in these last days. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Upon us, the very ends of the ages have come. Have you been saved? Have you been born again? Are you living for Christ? Have you forsaken everything just for his glory? Are you willing to commit everything that you possess and everything that you are to his keeping? And let him tell you that I'll take care of you. I'll lead you. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we do thank Thee for the power of the Word, the matchless power of the Word. For faith does come by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Oh, dedicate us tonight. And when we read the newspapers tomorrow, and we see the events that are unfolding so quickly before us, Father, we are standing in the presence of some passages of the Bible that are bearing heavy upon us tonight until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Oh, Father, help us to understand and help us to prepare for our departure. Help us to be ready to meet him when he calls. And when he comes, amen.